Kitchen of Style, the podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and identity meet. Transition of Style is sponsored by QueerCut, a global gender-free marketplace and online community that connects LGBT shoppers with queer-friendly brands and products. Welcome back to Transition of Style. I'm your host, Corinne. What's going on? Guys, today I have my biz boo. Sarah Gilbo, what's going on? Hey, BizBoo. Oh, my God. So I call Sarah my BizBoo because Sarah and I have done so many projects together. And one of the first photo shoots I did, I did with her. And she helped me find my identity on camera. Like, there was a, a way of, like, communicating myself on camera that I didn't have before I worked with you. And it was pretty amazing. It was such a treat to work with you. Oh, my God. I hope, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I hope it we do it again. Is. We're going to keep doing it I know. We've done, how again. many shoots have we done now? I mean, Probably maybe three, four. Three or four, at yeah, least. Yeah. yeah. I love, love, love it. So, listen, before we go any further, though, I want to talk about, I want to read your bio really quickly, okay? Please do. Sarah Gilbo is a writer and photographer living in Bedside, Brooklyn, with her wife and sweet orange tabby cat, Yams. <laughs> She's an aspiring filmmaker with dreams of starting a production company dedicated to the stories of marginalized people. I love it. I love it. Thanks. I need you to tell me right off the bat, tell me about some of the projects you're working on. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, like go right into that because I, you know, I know what you're doing as a filmmaker and a writer. Tell me about these projects. I want people to know about what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, So this past year, I wrote a few scripts, and I shot my first short film. Uh, Yes. Um, That's kind of the trajectory I'm on, is towards filmmaking. Yeah. That feels really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And for my, like, to make money, I do photography. I do wedding photography, portraiture, and boudoir photography. Oh, my goodness. So... I know that, you know, you, first of all, you're an amazing photographer. I think you're amazing. I've seen some of the wedding shots you've done. Fantastic. Thank you. But I know that you have your passion project, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I want you to talk about that because I think that what you're doing with the passion project is pretty incredible. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, boudoir photography definitely has my heart and the series that I've been slowly putting together is called Soft Power Mm. and it is really about bringing some visibility to different types of people that are not traditionally shown in boudoir photography. Um, And that means anybody along the gender nonconforming spectrum, um, people of color are often not represented in mainstream media, um, uh, bigger bodied people. That's, that's really my goal is to build up this diverse body of work. Um, and give some visibility to folks who don't traditionally have visibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is so beautiful. I really love that. What gave you the idea to do that? Like what what kicked that off? Yeah. I what I love about boudoir photography is it's all about empowerment. Empowerment in your own body, um empowerment in your sexuality and finding the power in vulnerability. So yeah. The reason it's so important to me and why I feel so dedicated to it is because I grew up in a really sexually repressed household, mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, the culture at large is not fond of female sexuality right. or of queer sexuality. Um, That's for sure. It's really like there's one sort of archetypal way that we show queer sexuality, especially. Yeah. And sexuality of people of color right like it's sure it it all gets pigeonholed there's like one way to be 
queer Mm -hmm. and sexually active or sexually Mm -hmm. empowered. Uh, Or there's one way to be black and sexually empowered Mm -hmm. um, in mainstream media. So really trying to break that stereotype. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. You know? But it's come really naturally, and I actually can't even remember the first boudoir shoot I did. How long have you been doing them? Is this is this a newer oh, sort of is, endeavor? Or is it... It's on the newer side, for yeah. sure. I started off doing food photography, because I, I used to be a pastry chef, Yeah. and that's how I learned digital. Yeah, and then I started doing um, portraiture and engagement photos, and then wedding photos. And wedding photos is kind of my bread and butter of, like, my business right now. Yes. And then the boudoir came... So it, it evolved into that somehow? Like, it evolved into boudoir. I knew that I'd, I've always had a vision for boudoir photography. And um, anyway, I, probably in the last year, okay. I've started putting together this portfolio yeah. of various friends, mm-hmm. and then word kind of spread, mm-hmm. and some folks offered... Like, asked me if I would take their photo and paid me to take their photos. Amazing. Um, which was incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, it's been really amazing. Nothing like um, actually getting paid to do something you love, right? That is the honest-to-God like truth. Yeah. There is nothing like making money that, you know, attached to something that speaks to your heart. Exactly. It's, a, it's an incredible feeling, right? Yeah. It is incredible. So, you know, I, I know, um, you know, I've seen some of your boudoir shots. They are gorgeous. They're gorgeous. I'm wondering what you do to bring these people out. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're talking about people generally that are not used to seeing themselves in this context. Exactly. Right? This is not something they're used to seeing. And definitely mainstream-wise, this is not what we're used to seeing. We're not used to seeing bigger bodies. We're not used to seeing people of color. We're not used to seeing people identify all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, you're bringing all of this to us. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, what are you doing to bring these people out? What's behind it? Because there's something that you're providing comfort wise mm-hmm. that that is coming across in these photos yeah i actually a few months ago i had my first client who i had never met before wow she so came to my amazing. house yeah wow, it was incredible yeah. she was referred by somebody um that i had done a boudoir shoot with and uh she came to my house which was very brave of her <laughs> and um i was like okay like let's go have a cup of tea before we get started I totally agree with that like yeah Read the subtext totally of before I ask you to get naked. <laughs> <clears throat> and so we had a cup of tea and sat on the couch and I just asked her, I was like, you know, what, what brings you here today? What, what makes you want to do this photo shoot? And she told me about how she was coming off of a breakup huh. and how she just <clears throat> wanted to feel ownership of her body again and to remember her sexual identity like within herself. Yeah. And that was so powerful. And so it's really, um, we're meeting each other halfway. Yeah. I'm carving out the space. The client comes in and they have to bring a certain amount of authenticity and vulnerability. And if they're comfortable getting real with me and telling me about this breakup and telling me that like they're really looking to reclaim their power in this way, that is... That is that was like the greenest flag, yeah, right? It yeah. was like, wow, this is going to be incredible. And sure as shit, the the photos came out unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. because she just was ready to open up to me. Wow. And so it's, I think, you would be surprised what happens when you just open the door for people. Um, 
and when you ask a question and leave space for the real answer, people yeah. are willing to show up in really unexpected ways. Well, I, I'd say, I think you're right. I think they are willing to show up, but I do think there has to be something that, that it's coming from you that lets them know mm -hmm. they can do that. Because I can imagine you have had other clients, and these could be people you actually know, mm -hmm. who weren't immediately already, I mean, even they know that they knew you, they weren't already comfortable just oh. taking up clothes and, and getting ready, you know, getting shot. So yeah. there has to be something that you're giving them. Like, can you talk about that process? Like, what are you Absolutely. giving them? You're holding space for them in some way that makes them feel comfortable enough to be like, okay, I can, I can be vulnerable here. Wow. So the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I did a boudoir shoot with my best friend from junior high and high school. Wow. Now, she and I, like, grew up in the same church mm -hmm. and were told the same things about sexuality, about it being a sin to, you know, just to, like, like, I was just told that my body was going to make men and boys sin and that if I was flirting, I was going to make men and boys sin and wow. that my body was um, powerful, but powerful in a negative way, yeah. right. right? That's right. And I never... It took me a really long time to find my own sense of power and my own sense of um, empowerment mm -hmm. and to find that authentic goodness mm -hmm. and sort of purity in my sexuality, right? Yes. Like, yes. I was told for so long that you had to stay pure for your husband when you get married and like, um, wow. it's just such an old system. Anyway, my best friend, she was raised the same way. We kind of diverged paths in our early 20s. She got married and now is getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And so she did this boudoir shoot with me. She came to visit. And, you know, we'd been a little bit estranged for a few years. So we've been best friends from age 13 to 20. <laughs> I had never seen her naked. I had never seen her topless. Like, oh we were we were college roommates. I mean, we were, like, and we never talked about sex. So she asked if we could do this boudoir shoot. She had seen some of my work. And I was like, absolutely, you know, and just, I think it's a bit about permission. Sometimes people just need permission. I agree. To embrace their body. I agree. To um, flaunt it. Yeah. To come into a space and like take up space. Yes, yes, um, yes. And I feel really, really privileged that I am able to give permission to people. Yeah. And to say like, okay, like. Get feel what it feels like to be in your body right now. Yeah, yeah. What does it feel like when you stand up a little bit taller, when you let your shoulders slide down your back, when you, like, tilt your chin down just a touch, when you give me a smolder in your eye? Like, I tell people often, like, look into the camera like you're looking into your lover's eye, right? And it's cheesy, but it's also <laughs> effective as hell. <laughs> sounds, like it, sounds like it's working. Like, seduce me. Yeah. And also, you're not seducing me. You're seducing the camera, right? Right. right. And I think that's the... The beauty of it is giving somebody permission to be sexual and to be empowered for themselves. Not You're not doing it for me. Right. You're not doing it for your lover. You're not doing it for anybody else except for you right now. Yeah. And that is... I think when you set it up like that, it gives people the permission and the space to grow into it and to let their light shine a little. Oh my God, it's so great. It's such amazing work. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm listening to us talk about the word permission and I think you're right. It is, a, it is in a sense giving them permission. And sometimes I have such a hard time with that word in a way because it, it, in, you know, it, it implies that, that people have to ask, right? right. That people have to ask. But the truth is, is that 
permission marks in another way too, where it's like you never had to ask, but you need to know that you didn't have to ask. Exactly. That's exactly right. You need to know, I'm telling you that it's fine to do this Mm -hmm. because you're not aware that it's okay. You know? And, and that's the, I think right there in itself, what you're, what they're walking away with is incredible. Yeah. Right. I mean, you've got to feel good about the work you're doing. It's such beautiful work. I do. I feel really good about it. I, there's always room for growth, obviously. Um, gotta stay humble, but (laughs) I do feel really good. I feel very privileged, um, to be on the path towards a completely different career and to be able to do things that I feel very passionately about in the meantime, right? Like photography is sort of my stepping stone Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a learning tool for me to learn how to direct people and how to, and boudoir is so incredible for that because it's teaching me how to be very open hearted and gracious and sensitive, um, when I'm directing people because I am like, I give a lot of direction when we shoot. And if you're naked and I'm telling you, okay, now pop your butt out just a little bit more. <laughs> um, there's a certain tone and a certain way to do that. That's sure. encouraging. Yes, of course. And I think that's going to really serve me as a director. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm wondering what drives you when you're giving that direction. Like, where is it coming from? Doing something like this can't be mechanical, mm-hmm. right? No, I can't. <laughs> it can't be mechanical. Um, and so it has to be, there's something else that has to be driving it. Yeah. So what is it? So I consider myself a highly intuitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have a good eye for things, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that there's also something to be said for being a queer person who has been on both sides of like trying to look real sexy <laughs> and <laughs> like watching a woman be sexy for me. Wow. Um, and I, I mean, also, a lot of it is just, like, aesthetics. It's like, okay, if you pop your butt out two more inches, I'm going to get this gorgeous curve that's mm. going to make your waist look like va-va-voom, right? <laughs> um, and it's just about working with what is in front of me in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's really what it's about. I think it's interesting um, that you are using something there's something you're using something that's innate within you that you're using to direct these people to bring to bring something out in them Mm -hmm. right so just like anyone directs a film or whatever you're directing these shoots in a way that's bringing something out in these people and i think that's why you're seeing success with this because they're looking at these photos and they're seeing something that they're not used to seeing yeah right That, that, that they didn't even know they could tap into right and then you're bringing that to them that's amazing Especially with, um, I'm thinking of a non-binary person that I've worked with a few times Mm -hmm. that has been my muse (laughs) for a little bit. And they are just so Mm open-hearted. And when they've seen their photos, they've just been like, holy shit, that's me. Like, that's who I have been picturing in my head and what I'm trying to get across. And I wasn't sure if I was doing it. Mm -hmm. But goddamn, that photo shows me that it's me. So there is, I feel really privileged to have this talent for seeing people how they wish to be perceived. That's, I mean, that is a, an amazing skill. That is something that is, that is just true service. I hope you realize that it's a service what you're doing. Thank it's incredible. I, I like consider myself to be very good at anticipating other people's needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And that can be um, to my own detriment sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's, it's been really therapeutic to 
hone that skill mm -hmm. in my craft. Excellent. That's amazing. I love it. Okay, so we're going to switch gears for a moment. And I want to talk about the whole concept of like um, how you communicate your queerness with your style, mm -hmm. with your clothing, with your hairstyle. Because, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past, and we haven't spoken too much about this on the podcast. But in the queer community, there are people who everyone assumes are queer because they just have this look that's like, stereotypically is a look of a queer person, all right? Which is, honestly, the truth of the matter is that's not really even a thing because right. queerness looks like so many different things that there really can't be one archetype for what queerness looks like. So have you found yourself having to think about what you're wearing and your clothing and your hairstyle to communicate queerness so that, you know, people know. You're like, I'm part of the community. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I have been on this journey... <laughs> uh, Towards figuring out my gender identity for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, more recently than I... It's been a more recent journey than <laughs> really? I would even like to admit. Okay. Um, but I think internally I really identify as non-binary. Mm -hmm. But I present very femme. And not very femme, but like I present femme. Yeah. Definitely firmly femme. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and I think I have started using my hair as more of a queer indicator. Mm -hmm. um, so I went from like a chin length, they call it the bisexual bob, right? I saw that <laughs> article on Autostraddle. It did not. <laughs> it was a deep dive into the history of the bisexual bob. Oh, that's amazing. Highly really? recommend. Really? Um, did, were you wearing your hair because, <laughs> like that because of that? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but it is like a little bit telling. I consider myself like queer as sexuality goes pansexual, whatever. Okay. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I cut my hair into a pixie cut and I was like, oh, this is me. This is great. And I feel like I have a little bit more queer visibility uh, with my hair cut short. Yeah. Um, and then I also started growing out my leg hair and underarm hair. Yeah. And in the summertime, like, that's pretty jarring to people and a clear indicator that, like, hi, gay as hell. Um <laughs> Especially when you're on the subway and you're just like wearing a tank top, letting your armpit hair Let hang it out. All hang out. I was really self conscious about it at first, and then I was like, "Oh shit, this is empowering as hell!" Like, yeah, yeah. I see you, straight dude, checking me out. Check it, like arm up on the pole. You still interested? I love, I love that. It's hilarious. Wait, so let me ask you, like, what? When you had your hair in that bisexual bob, as you call it, yeah, like what was happening? Do you feel like people were not realizing you were queer? Like, were they like if you were in queer spaces, were they like, oh, what's a straight woman doing here? Like, what was happening? Were you well? When I'm in queer spaces, I'm usually with my wife, yeah, and people get the picture pretty quickly. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, what if you're not with your wife? Your if wife, I'm right? not with my wife. I don't know. It's tricky. I'm usually with, like, a group of friends mm -hmm. that are, like, obviously very queer. Right. Like yourself. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> would you debate that you're obviously um, queer? I, well, we just said that there's no such thing, but no, I would not. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, right, right. I also wouldn't. <laughs> there's no such thing. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right. Don't call me out. Don't call me out. <laughs> I like it. I think it is true. I think that like queer people can look like anything. Sure, yeah, sure. Um, but there are stereotypes for a reason. Sure, sure. Know what sure, I mean? Sure. Look, 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 I'll, I'll own that. I'll own that. I'll own that. I mean, it's... my handyman thought your name was Chris. <laughs> he was like, "Wait, it can't be Corinne. Chris? 
Did yeah. she say no, Chris? No matter how many times I say Corinne, he said Chris. So, yeah, thank you, Corinne, Man. Chris. Yes. No, no, Corinne. Oh, okay, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept happening back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, so yeah. I'm Chris now, apparently, so that's <laughs> fine. Um, I'll be getting on that birth certificate real quick, so we'll see what happens Perfect. there. Yeah, I love it. Um, but okay, so you, you, do you feel like with the hair, with the clothing, you... You've changed your hair. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the pixie cut, mm-hmm. and you feel like that's sort of giving you sort of a little bit of a visibility that it's changed a little bit, right? With, yeah, with the hair. Definitely. But what about your clothing? My clothing has changed over time. Okay. I actually, uh, my family teases me because what? when I was two or three mm-hmm. or four in that range, yeah. I refused to wear anything but a dress. <laughs> really? And this fact has bothered me for years. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's not who I am. Yeah. I'm not a, I don't, I don't love dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of had this realization that my mom, my mom's a, a beauty pageant winner, like a beauty queen. Yeah. From the 80s. Yeah. And she's all about that hyper femininity. Yeah. And um, she, when I was really small, would dress me in big poofy dresses. I mean, she would make me dresses and make me headbands and she would tease my hair up real tall. And like my hair was down to my waist when I was like four and she would curl it and braid like super feminine. And she loved it when I looked like that. Mm -hmm. And so me being a toddler, I wanted my mom's affection and love and admiration. And so I refused to wear anything but the dresses that she loved. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, knowing you today, it is wild. I mean, I mean, you were a kid, of course, at the time. Yeah. Um, but at some point, you decided... We're talking huge no. bows. I mean, just wow. everything. Oh like, God. and as soon as... I like a Christmas tree. <laughs> truly. I looked like a Christmas tree half the time. <laughs> um, and as I got older, I really was, like, in middle school, I was really drawn to androgyny. Yeah. I didn't fit in with the girls. I definitely didn't fit in with the boys. <laughs> so I like kind of just tried to do my best to fit in with the girls. Right. And I, but I really wanted to be like, I grew up in the 90s. So it's like, I really wanted that cool girl, skater girl, could hang with the boys kind of aesthetic. Yeah. And I had one pair of like baggy pants that my mom <laughs> hated. And so I'd wear them occasionally when I could like get away with it. Um, and then in high school... I, it was just a constant back and forth. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, I know this sounds like trite, but <laughs> I was still trying to win the affection of my mom. Yeah, of course. And every day I would come down for her school and she'd be like, hey, you need a little blush. You need like some lipstick. You need some color on your face. I was like, mom, you know. Yeah. And this continued, like the blush thing became like an inside joke with us until into my early 20s. Are you serious? Seriously. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> She was just like, every time she saw me, she'd be, she would look at me and she'd like tilt her head a little. Be like, mm, I think you need a little blush. Like, All right, mom. Like literally These fuck off. Those are people wearing blush. <laughs> Truly. It's incredible to me. I know. I mean, I wear a little now, but. Well, I didn't know that. It looks um, so natural. It looks so natural. Thank you. <laughs> maybe it's natural. Maybe glossier. Ooh, maybe it's glossier. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then when I. So I, I waffled back and forth, and I was flirting with androgyny, but in a way of, like, I just, I think this looks cool. I think I was just, like, 
I was moving to Seattle from Southern California. I lived in the suburbs of Southern California also. So it was just like bleach blonde, fake boobies, (laughs) like everywhere. Fake big eyelashes. That was the norm. You know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, so how did that make you feel? Like that must have been like so, like you you don't look like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that can't be fun. No. It has to be hard. I mean, it was interesting. Like I thought that's why like boys weren't really interested in me. And I just thought, I don't know what, I I really didn't think about it too deeply because mm-hmm. I was raised in such a sexually repressed, like, culture. Right. Um, it didn't really occur to me. I didn't really care too much. Right. And I thought I was just doing, like, an indie rock cool girl thing with right. my flannel and my moccasins and my skinny <laughs> jeans. Um, Amazing. And then when I was probably, like, 21, I went through a bad breakup and um, with somebody I was, like, engaged to. Wow. My high school sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and I cut off all my hair into mm-hmm. a pixie cut, and I, like, left it kind of long in the front. And the first time I saw my mom, my mom was like, you're not going to start dating girls now, are you? So clearly the hair was, like, a queer indicator. <laughs> clearly my mom was like, huh, maybe this kid's queer. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Um, and that, her comment, I mean, that's really the only being gay was not okay in my house right. at all. Right. You're like Christian, whatever conservative yeah. as hell. Yeah. My parents. Yeah. Um, so that didn't feel like an option. And even at 22, I was like, even yeah. though I was kind of starting to hook up with women occasionally, I wasn't mm. telling my parents about it. Yeah. For sure. Of course. Uh, and then I cut my hair. My mom made that comment and I was like, no, I'm not going to start dating girls. Like, why would I do that? That's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we obviously don't have a great relationship. Uh, and so once I finally started oh, taking like some serious distance from my mom, we yeah. like took a break in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated this guy in Austin, Texas mm-hmm. for about a year. And when we broke up, he turned to me and was like, I think you should start dating women. And I was like, I think you're fucking right. <laughs> and I went on the, uh, the first date with uh, the person that is now my wife. Wow. And it happened that fast. It just happened that fast. I was like 23. And as soon as I went on a date with her, I was like terrified because I was like, oh, this isn't like just a sexual curiosity thing. This is like pot. Like, I I think I just fell in love, (laughs) you know? Um, But coming out can be like that sometimes. You're like, let me check out this foreign land. And then you're like, I'm moving here. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. And it worked out. I think that there's a lot of, for a lot of people, it can be like, uh, you know, oh shit, that wasn't real love. I was just in love with like the idea of being that person and being liberated and free as a queer person. Yes. Luckily that wasn't the case. Luckily my wife and I like are truly mad about each other and, um, have a lot of flexibility with each other to continue growing and continue exploring. And that's very helpful. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. So the clothing now I feel like, um, yeah, how has it changed? It sounds like it, 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 it's gone through a couple of it's, different iterations and different yeah. Yeah, evolutions. And it, is it like, what's it, what's it like now? Well, it's interesting because my wife is a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And so when we started dating, I felt a lot of pressure to be more masculine, to mm-hmm. allow her to be more feminine. Interesting, yeah. And I felt this pressure that like, well, it's, it's, it's the, um, you know, heteronormativity that's mm-hmm. like infused into all of us. Yes. Um, this like, well, if she's going to be the woman, I have to be the man. That's right. And I had a short pixie cut and I was just trying to dress more androgynous. And at some point I was like, 
okay, this isn't actually true to how I identify. It's not me. It's not me. It doesn't, I don't feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. I just feel kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's a real blend. Like the perfect example, I'm actually looking at our wedding photo right now. Mm-hmm. The perfect example is our wedding. I am a stereotypical suburban California girl. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, dreamt about my wedding as a kid. And my mom and I talked about it a lot over the years and I almost got married at 19. So like I'd always imagined having a wedding dress. Right. And when we got engaged, I like literally the weekend we got engaged, I was like perusing a website and found a jumpsuit and it's the jumpsuit is like, so it's a jumpsuit. It's got wide legs. It's got a deep V front. It's a halter with a deep V back. And it's like the perfect balance of feminine and masculine and a little queer and just not stereotypical femininity, right? right? Yeah. And I was like, that's the only thing I tried on. It's the only thing I ordered. Ordered it up and wore it to our wedding. And that's a really good representation of my style, of being like a little bit sexy feminine, Mm -hmm. but not straightforward about it. Fantastic. I mean, I've seen pictures of that jumpsuit. It looks amazing. It looked like the perfect thing for you, and you looked like you just looked so much like yourself in it. Yeah, you know, you seemed it seemed like it was just like right up your alley. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you found that sort of blend that you're looking for. And you know, I, I think that you know we talk a lot about identity all the time, like you know, on this podcast, and like it is important for people to understand that like identity can be a mix of things. You, you, everyone's just fine tuning till they get to that place where they're like you know, it's right for them. They tune into the frequency of what sounds and feels right. Totally. And sometimes that's way on the one side of the spectrum or, or the other, and it doesn't really matter. It's like you just got to find the frequency that speaks to you. And even then, allow yourself the fluidity to move between. Absolutely. So there are days where I will wear a fitted trouser with a belt, a tucked-in button-up, buttoned all the way to the collar with um, collar clips. Mm-hmm. And I'll pair that with, like, a pair of rockin' heels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel on top of the world. And then there are days that I'll wear some slutty little strappy dress <laughs> and be like, that's right. Yeah. I can also do this. Yes, exactly. That feels empowering. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It is empowering for you to say, this is where the dial is, mm-hmm. and this is what I'm going to do, and I feel great in this. Yeah, and I can keep playing with that dial. I can keep turning it up, turning it down. There's also, I work as an artist assistant um, two days a week, Mm -hmm. and I have a pair of Carhartt overalls and a dad sweater that someone left here once, and um, I feel awesome in that, too, when I have no makeup on and my hair's a mess, and I'm just like in my painted overalls. That's adorable. And I'm just like, yeah, rocking it. This is part of my identity too. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's so wonderful. I love, love it. I'm really in the business of um, walking away from the idea of either or, this Mm -hmm. dichotomy, this Mm -hmm. binary, and walking into the land of yes and. Yeah, I love that. You know what I mean? And both and all. I love that. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. How powerful. Multiple checkboxes. <laughs> exactly. And you could have those. You know, I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Like, it could change every day. 
Because we're multiple people. Yeah. That's what I love about the um, gender neutral pronoun they. Mm-hmm. They, like, I know it's hard for people to, do, to think of it as singular. Sure. Don't think of it as singular. Right. Think of it as that person's multiple people. That's a really great way to say it. What That's a, a really privilege to know that they are like, showing up with all their multiplicity yeah oh that's a great way to put it i love that oh this is why you're amazing thanks i'm a thinker and you know how i feel about <laughs> you are a thinker you're the great thinker i love it i love the it. great thinker put it on my gravestone oh my god we're not talking about gravestones <laughs> we're, not doing that. We're, we're not doing that in this podcast or anywhere else chris is drawing the line <laughs> I love how I've now become Chris somehow <laughs> in the span of one afternoon. It's incredible, you know? I love it. I love it. All right. Well, listen, you know how I feel about you. Um, I love you. And I've I had such you. a great time talking to you. But you know what I want you to do right now? What? Plug away. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, I want you to talk about <clears throat> the your boudoir services. I want you to talk about your photography, whatever oh you my want gosh. to talk about. Oh my how gosh. people can find you. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. Plug away. Okay, several things. Uh, I just opened a print shop. On my fine art website. Amazing. It's called sarahgilbo.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you spell my name G-U-I-L-B-E-A-U-X. I'm sure it'll be in the podcast notes, as it they 100% say. 100% will. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Sarah Shailene. Mm-hmm. And um, hit me up. Let's shoot together. I'm always down to meet new people. I want to take your photo Let's do a boudoir session. Let's do a fashion session for your blog, for your Insta. Like, let's get together and hang out and uh, take some pretty photos. I love that. And listen, is there some place where they can see the boudoir like photos? Are they going to be on your site? It's or? mostly on my fine art site, which is sarahgilbo.com. Great. Go ahead and check that out because if you're interested in getting a boudoir shot or boudoir shoot with, with uh, Sarah, you should check it out and see what she's done because there's some beautiful shots. It, it, she's just, she's got such an eye for the stuff. So oh gosh, if there's something you. you're interested, get on board. It's fantastic. Love you. Love you. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, comment, rate, all of the things. Please, we will be back next week with some more fantastic interviews. Sarah, you're the best. You're the best, Biz Boo. We love you. Love you. Bye, guys. Bye.